you're taking notes this morning, you can write this, write this down. The title of our conversation is this, The Place. The Place. If you're watching online, I encourage you to take notes as well. The Place, if you don't like that title, I always have a second title for you. And it is this, Take the Floaties Off. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, take the floaties off. Turn to your other neighbor that you just ignored and say, hey, you too, take the floaties off. <laughs> We're going to read some scripture. I'm going to kind of jump through these verses quickly just because I want to show us a picture of one of the things that stands out to me about the life and ministry of Jesus. And then we're going to read a final verse. But in Matthew chapter 14, it, it says this. I think we're going to have it on the screen. Jesus, this is right after Jesus feeds the, the 5,000. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. Somebody say place. By himself. Jesus, he, he withdrew from the crowds, from his disciples to a desolate place. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Jesus says to his disciples, you guys are going to get on the boat and you're going to go without me. And while he dismissed the crowds and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. This next one. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, was one of my least favorite verses in the Bible. It says this, and rising very early in the morning. Like, why'd you, why, Mark, did you have to put in those adjectives very early? You could have just said, hey, just sometime in the morning he woke up to pray. Although if you become a parent, this verse becomes your life. Can I get an amen? Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. Thank you for emphasizing how early it was. Talking about Jesus, he departed and went out to a desolate place. Somebody say place. And there he prayed. Luke chapter 5, verse 15. But now even more, the report about him, about Jesus, went abroad. And crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Jesus is causing a stir. He's becoming famous even without social media. And instead of Jesus stepping into this moment of fame and moment of glory, the Bible says this, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Desolate places and pray. Luke chapter 6, verse 12. And these days he went out to the mountain to pray. The context of this verse is Jesus is getting ready to, to handpick out of many disciples, the 12 that would be his inner circle, the 12 disciples that he would do life and ministry with, that, that would pioneer his church. And before Jesus, the Son of God, makes the decision of who will be the 12, who will be the 12 that surrounds him, the Bible says he, up all night, he continued to pray to God. All night, Jesus prays about this decision. You ever prayed all night? A baby has kept me up all night. I'm about to have my third baby in like a week. Pray for me. Baby Palmer, we're hoping to make it through Devoted Conference in the name of Jesus. And when day came, he called his disciples and he chose from them 12 whom he named apostles. Luke chapter 11. Now Jesus was praying. Y'all still with me? 
This is the last verse, I promise. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Somebody say certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, one of the disciples, they they see the way that Jesus is praying. And they observe enough of how Jesus is praying, enough to say, Jesus, teach me to pray like that. And he said to them, I love this answer from Jesus. When you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. How often as Christians we go days without the daily bread of God. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Before we pray, church, I was praying in my place this week as I normally do, especially before I'm preaching on Sunday. My place is right over here. If you can look through that wall, there is the parking lot. And that is the place that I pray. And I was praying over this service today. I was praying over this message. And it was on, it was on Friday night that I was praying. And, and I, I felt, you know, I, I'd been praying. and I felt rushed to leave this place of prayer. Because normally by Friday, most of my message has been written. And so the rest of Friday night, I can go over the message, I can prepare the message, I can feel confident and prepared to make sure I communicate the gospel with clarity, with confidence, with boldness. And and so I feel this pressure because I need to finish the rest of this message. And I feel this pressure to leave my place of prayer. And as I got to go back in my truck, I could feel the Holy Spirit say, Josh, no, you you need to stay here. And you need to pray. You need to keep praying. And I have this conversation, I don't know how your conversations go with the Holy Spirit sometimes. I'm like, well, Holy Spirit, Spirit, that's easy for you to say, but I have to preach on Sunday, and i got to finish this message. The Holy Spirit, you know, I think has a sense of humor, reminded me, Josh, you think you write the message? You think you preach on Sunday? You want to do that without me? No, I don't want to do that without you. But I still got to go home and finish this message. I've got to write this message. And the Holy Spirit just said, no, you don't. You need to stay here, and you need to pray. I don't say that for applause. I say that because I didn't want to stay there. And I'm, at this point, I'm like, okay, well, well, surely then, Holy Spirit of God, you're going to download to me the rest of this message. I'm going to get home, and my iPad is going to be finished. You're going to write it for me. And it's just going to be downloaded in my mind and my spirit. I'm just going to be ready to go on Sunday. You're going to give me amazing revelation. And, and that didn't happen. But what did happen is the Holy Spirit told me two things that I believe that he wants to tell us as a church. And I'm careful to say that because I feel the weight of the Word of God. Two things that I believe God wants to tell us as a church here in person and online. One of them I'm going to tell you later so you don't leave. Can I get an amen? One of them is this. I felt the Holy Spirit say, Josh we need to open the altar and we need to pray and I don't say that so we can run down here with our flags and our shofars and cause a distraction I say that 
Because I just believe today in our service, we're going to take some time. We're going to move this stage in. And we're going to pray. I believe God wants to open the altar this morning. We know it's always open. But I, I mean in the context of this service, the Holy Spirit is going to meet you here. Can I get an amen? amen. Can we pray? Jesus, we thank you for who you are, Holy Spirit of God. Oh, I need you. God, help me today that it would be your voice. Every week, I'm reminded and I'm aware without your grace, your power, your authority, your anointing, I am nothing. So God, speak through me today that every human heart that is in this room, that we would be open. God, that we would be open to the truth of your word. We didn't come here just to have a nice service. We came to encounter your presence. We all acknowledge there is something in us that needs to change, to become more like you. And God, we thank you for your grace because of it in our brokenness and in our, in our sin and shame that we can come before you just as we are. That you saved us, you rescued us. And everybody said, Amen. Have you ever looked at somebody's life before and thought to yourself, I want what they have? Just me? I know we do this superficially. I, was, I had the opportunity to be at Pebble Beach last year. And if you don't know this about me, I'm addicted to golf. Any golfers here this morning? Just spiritual people. Helps keep me sane. I had the opportunity to experience Pebble Beach. It's like one of the mecca places of, of golf. This beautiful golf course on the, on the cliffs and the, and, and the beach. And there's some of the most crazy, beautiful houses you've ever seen in your life. And I remember walking down this golf course and seeing one of these houses and just thinking, man, I want what they have. And the guy that was golfing with me reminded me, he said, Josh, you picked the wrong occupation to own that house said, yes, but I can dream, and I can win the lottery, and everybody said. Amen. Mostly for me, though, it's like the attributes of people. Like I see somebody tall, and I'm like, man, I want what they have. I want their height. I'm 5'9 with boots on. That's my NBA preacher height. I see somebody with a full head of hair. Like, man, I want that. A friend of mine recently was complaining about the thickness of his hair. <laughs> the audacity to complain about the thickness of your hair in front of me. Oh, I just don't know what to do with it. You don't know what to do with your hair. Do you know the miracle that takes place in my bathroom every morning with hairspray that makes this happen? <laughs> I'm going to start calling my hairspray Lazarus. It raises my hairline from the dead every day. Must be nice to complain about having to cut your hair. And then, th then there's been people that I've met. There's been people that I've met, and there's just something about them. Not even in the way that they look or what they have, but there's something about them. You ever met somebody like that? The spirit that they have, the joy that they have, and that there's something that you have that I, I want what you have. And, and I can't help but think about Jesus. 
and his life and, and ministry, and even just the, the brief and what seems simple moments of introduction, interactions with his 12 disciples, all of which none of us would, would think that Jesus would, would choose to be his 12 disciples, and yet Jesus meets the 12 disciples, and in just a moment there is something, there is something about the person of Jesus that each of these 12 disciples, Jesus says, will you follow me? And all of them leave everything to follow him. There was something, there was something about who Jesus is and who Jesus was. It was, it was like the, the, they could sense that there was something Jesus had that they didn't and they wanted what he, what he had. And, and then there's, there's this moment where, where Jesus is praying in, in a certain place. And he's praying in such a way, and up until this point, the, the disciples have been following Jesus, and they've given up everything to, to follow Jesus, but yet, yet they see in this moment Jesus praying in a certain place in a, in a certain way. Now keep in mind the disciples have seen Jesus pray with people, they've seen him pray for people, they've seen him pray before, but there's something about the way that Jesus was, was praying and the disciples knew how to pray. They knew the words to pray, the techniques, the formulas to pray. They grew up knowing how to pray, but there's something about the way that Jesus was, was praying and the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Jesus, I want to pray like that. Jesus, the way that you pray, I, I want what you have. The disciples look and they observe and they can just see there's this depth and authority to the way that Jesus is, is praying. There's this intimacy with the Father of God. When Jesus prays, it's like the almighty God of heaven is right there with him. There is this relationship that Jesus has with the Father. The disciples, they look at Jesus praying and they think to themselves, Jesus, I want what you have. Jesus, when I pray, I want to pray like that. And church, before we go any further, I think it's important to note that when the world looks at us and interacts with us, at some point that they should see and feel something different about us. Yet there is an issue, an issue in Christian culture today where this is not always the case. And too often the world looks at the church and think to them, thinks to themselves, well, there, there's nothing really that different about me and you. And I think the source of this issue, I would suggest the source of this issue is we are trying to live this Christian life without the lifeblood of this Christian walk. And it is, it is prayer. It's prayer. How often I find myself trying to be different without spending time with the only one who makes me different. It is in prayer that I am changed. I am not changed by trying or willing or hoping that it's going to happen, but I change when I humble myself and I seek the face of God and I pray. Can I get an amen? amen? It is prayer where change happens. And in our, if our spiritual walk was a pool, I think too often we are stuck in the shallow end. Have you ever been there? I have. 
The shallow end looks like this. God, I'm going to hang out here where it's safe and comfortable and convenient. I don't really need to trust you in the shallow end, but I'm going to keep my floaties on just in case. I don't really need to depend on you, and I'll go to church when it suits me, and I'll post a couple of verses. But the deep end, the deep things of God, no, no thank you. And in a world where we can identify however we want, we also know we can identify as a Christian, but not really live like one. And church, it is okay to start in the shallow end. We all start in the shallow end, the same way that it's okay for my two-year-old to wear floaties in the shallow end. But if my son grows up in his 20s and he's still wearing floaties, I have failed him as a father. That's also very concerning and weird. And the problem in our context is we have too many Christians in church. I've been here. And we are still wearing our floaties in the shallow end. And I believe God is calling his church to go deeper. Can I get an amen? Specifically, I believe God is calling us as a church, wave church family, here in person and online. I believe that God is calling us as a church to go deeper in prayer, to get out of the shallow end of our prayer lives. While I was praying on Friday night, God so clearly spoke to me, Josh, it's time for you and it's time for Wave Church to go deeper in prayer. When we begin to pray and we seek God, it is where we learn to trust him. Where we begin to really know him, the deep things of God. And church, do not buy the lie that the deep things of God are reserved for special people who have it all together or certain pastors. I believe God is calling all of us. It is for anybody and everybody to experience the deep things of God. I believe he's calling all of us to pray in such a way, to pray in such a way with the type of authority that terrifies the devil. To pray in such a way as a church family that scares the enemy. To seek the face of God in such a way that when we leave the place of prayer, we leave different and we leave changed because we've been in the presence of an almighty God. Church, I believe he's calling us to go deeper. Say, Josh, that sounds well and good, but how do we pray? I've tried the prayer thing before. What is prayer? We can write this down. I, I, I agree with what I'm about to say. Yes, prayer is talking to God. Yes, prayer is talking to God, but I would suggest a better understanding of prayer is listening. I am not good at listening. In all areas of life, including prayer. God, I want to tell you this, and I want to tell you that, and I want you to do this, and I want you to do that. Yet prayer isn't telling God what to do. It's listening. 
and it's yielding. And it's when I listen and when I yield that prayer becomes changing. Yielding my will to his, one of the most powerful prayers in the Bible is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Son of God, fully man and fully God, is praying, asking God, God, if there is any other way, take this from me, but God, not my will, but your will be done. Prayer is knowing God, drawing closer to the Father. And while we can pray whenever we want to, I love that about our relationship with God. Wherever we are, whatever time it may be, we can always pray. The Holy Spirit of God dwells within you. God always meets you where you, where you are. While this is the case, I believe one of the most powerful things that Jesus shows us about prayer is the importance of a place. Remember, it is the manner in which Jesus was praying in a certain place that beckoned the question from his disciples, Jesus, teach us to pray like that. Church, do you have a place? Do you have a place that you pray? Do you have a place? Because the life and ministry of Jesus shows me that I need a place. And yes, Jesus shows me that I can pray anywhere and all the time. And, and, and his life shows me that I should pray anywhere and all the time. But the life of Jesus also shows me that, that I need a place to cut away from the noise, from the craziness, from the busyness of life, and experience the thunder of the whisper of heaven. I love that God speaks and draws us closer through a whisper. Do you have a place that you can cut off the noise and experience and hear the whisper of heaven? I, I, one of the things I love about the life of Jesus, if you ever noticed this, the life and ministry of Jesus while he was on earth, you ever noticed he, he was not rushed? And all that he did, Jesus was never in a hurry. Why? Because his, the rhythm of his life was in the rhythm of prayer. Yet how often in my life I am in a rush and I am in a hurry and my mind is cluttered because the rhythm of my life is life. And yet Jesus shows me that the rhythm of my life can be in prayer and it is out of prayer that I can then really live this life. Church, how often, how often I find myself and I need to get away to my place and pray, seek God. Church, I have a place. It is where I learned to pray as a middle schooler, as a high schooler, as a teenager. It is in this place of prayer that I felt God speak to me as a 17-year-old and I had my own dreams and desires of what I wanted to do with my life. And yet it was in the place of prayer that God changed all of that. And as I 
really surrendered my life to him. I heard from heaven God speak to me of what he's called me to do. It is in this place of prayer after I met Brooke, I went and I prayed and said, God, I've met the one, but I also need you to speak to her so she knows that I'm the one for her. Please. It is this place that I pray for my marriage. And don't get me wrong, I, I pray for my marriage and my family as often as I can, but it is in this place that I pray for my marriage, for my kids. This is in this place that I pray for our church, for our city. This is it in this place that I pray over the messages that I preach? God, I need you. This is in this place of prayer that when I've wanted to give up on pastoring, because there are times in my life, Paul, there are so many other things I'd rather do. And yet it is in the place of prayer that when I listen, that God speaks to me. Josh, I've called you. Church, it is in this place of prayer, these last 12 months of, of my life, that it has felt like, for whatever reason, that I have never been more incapable and I've never, never questioned more of who God has called me to to be and what he's called me to do, but it is in the place of prayer that the whisper of heaven and God spoke to me, he said, Josh, I'm just drawing you closer to me. Church, do you have a place? My secret weapon to this Christian life is my secret place. that Jesus gives us such encouraging insight because we, we love to overcomplicate prayer. And yet I, I love this insight that Jesus gives his disciples. He says this in Matthew chapter 6. I, I love this church. Catch this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Oh, I've done this. Where I pray to impress and to be seen by people, yet Jesus says, hey, pray to be seen by God. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward, but when you pray, go into your room, go into your place, and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret and will reward you, verse seven, and when you pray, I love this, Jesus says, hey, wave church, by the way, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. You ever done that? Just all these awesome words, empty words, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Oh, I love that Jesus reminds us it is not in the fanciness of our empty words. It is simply in the posture of humility. God, hear I am. Some of my favorite prayers are people that have just gotten saved. And I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I've had friends who in my life have gotten saved and their first prayer is, God, I just bleepity love you and thank you for bleepity saving me. And there are religious people that would offend them. 
Yet that's one of the most powerful, authentic prayers I've ever heard in my life. Now, if they're still bleeping in a year from now, we'll address the bleeping. Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face and will turn from their wicked ways and I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. Church, the good news is all it takes is humility, which is something that we are all capable of. God, here I am. I know it's been a while and it feels a little awkward and I'm not sure what to do or what to say, but God, I humble myself and here I am with all my sin and all my shame and all my stuff and the things that I've been hiding from people and I've been trying to hide from you, but God, here I am. God, speak to me. It's humility. And as we close, in a moment, we're gonna pray. I love the response that Jesus gives the disciple and he said, hey, Jesus, I want what you have. I want to pray like that. Teach me, teach us how to pray. And Jesus gives this response that many of us have heard and know, yet I think is a great model and a great tool for us to utilize as we pray. And if you're here today and you're not sure how to pray or where to start, Jesus gives you the answer right here. And in a moment, we're going to bring this stage in. And I'm going to invite anybody and everybody who wants to come to this altar and seek the face of God. And you can stay where you are. God will meet you where you are. But, but I just get the sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us as a church. Sometimes there's power in getting out of where you are standing. Come down to this altar. And I believe God will meet you here. I'm not going to be here for hours. So Joshua, what are you get me into? No, we're just going to take some time and we're going to pray because I believe God, specifically for us as a church, is saying, hey, today let's open the altar and, and let's pray. And I love what Jesus says. If you're, if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to, in a moment to write these these. I believe that just this, this great model of prayer, Jesus says, when you pray, say this, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Father, hallowed be your name. The first thing that Jesus shows us that we can do when we pray is just acknowledge the holiness and the sovereignty of God. And I love this because, because I have to humble myself. God! You are almighty, and you are amazing. And how often I forget how holy you are. God, that I would humble myself. And what's amazing is when I humble myself, I'm nothing but thankful because I understand that I don't deserve to be in his presence, but it is the grace of Jesus that has saved me that allows me to approach the throne room of heaven with boldness and confidence. Your kingdom come. The next thing we can do is, is yield and listen to his will. Oh God, your will be done in my life. I yield. 
and I listen to his will. Give it, the next verse, give us each day our daily bread. Third thing we can, third thing we can do is ask God. I, I love that we don't start with asking. Jesus says, don't, don't start with asking. Start with just reminding yourself how almighty your God is. But we do need to ask God for our daily bread. How often, church, I find myself going days without asking. God, I need your bread. I need your grace. And I need your mercy. That I would depend on you. The next thing and forgive us of our sins, repent. How often I go to pray and I avoid my sin. Yet there is forgiveness and there's freedom. The next thing we can do, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, is to forgive somebody else and pray for others. How often I've tried to forgive somebody and I'm not just talking about maybe somebody hurt me, but when somebody really hurt me, I cannot forgive them in my own strength. Oh, but I need to pray. God, I need your help to forgive this person. God, help me to understand how much you've forgiven me so that I can forgive them and pray for others. And then this, lead us not into, into temptation that we can pray, God, lead me. God, help me change and guide me to live the life worthy of the calling that you have given me away from sin and change me. Amen.